Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Tire Recycling Podcast. Today we are returning to part two of our expert, inter- of our expert witness interview with Martin von Wolfersdorf of Wolfersdorf Consulting. I'm Richard Wilson, contributor to, to Time Rubber Recycling, and Ewan Scott, editor for Time Rubber Recycling, joins me. Ewan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm enjoying the cooler weather this week. Uh, I'm actually enjoying hearing the rain, water and garden for a change. Business-wise, we're slowly starting to get back to business and, uh, and see developments as Collier starts to get back up, uh, back on its feet. Interesting, yeah. I mean, we, we've actually had, here in Spain, we've actually had quite a rainy morning as well, which is um, not very custom for this time of year. But moving more back onto tyre recycling side of things, um, in the last episode, we obviously saw part one of your expert into, of your expert witness interview with Martin, and we looked at the growing interest from tyre companies in paralysis and how the market um, was looking for recovered carbon black. What do we have in in part two for viewers to look forward to? There are traditionally two directions that pyrolysis can take. Uh, one is to produce oil and uh, the other is to produce recovered carbon black. Um, we ask what impact the current uh, crash in oil prices has had on the market and has it impacted on the companies' preferences for the, the direction they're going to be taking. We also asked Martin uh, for his views on high temperature pyrolysis uh, producing hydrogen and the growing interest in microwave pyrolysis. We finish with some discussion on the, uh, the dark side, uh, the, the less technical processes that get used in uh, India in particular and in Southeast Asia that give pyrolysis uh, a bad image, something that uh, the industry as a whole needs to address. Okay, well, there's lots to go through there, so we won't keep the viewers waiting any longer. And so we have that interview coming up for you right now. Changing uh, changing tack a little bit, uh, a number of pyrolysis companies uh, over the years have focused on oil. Um, I suspect they they felt that oil was easier to deal with than they... the carbon black because they can just take the oil and send it to a refinery. Um, has the current crash in oil prices changed the direction that these companies are, are, are taking? Are we seeing oil orientated pyrolysis projects starting to look at refining their, their char to a, a recovered carbon black? Um, we do indeed. Uh, there, there is uh, one company in Poland, uh, Euro Ecofuels, uh, who uh, up to now uh, have been focused on the oil, um, very high quality of the oil, different than normal pyrolysis oil. Of course, they do also, they do co-processing. Uh, they don't just pyrolyze uh, tires, but my understanding is that they uh, co-process uh, uh, shale oil with tires uh, and get a specific oil quality and they have the capability of steam stripping uh, which is one of the treatment processes uh, for the the oil there have been uh, they they are integrating now into recovered carbon black production and have appointed peter tahar 
as a technical director for for this uh, uh, for this project. Mm -hmm. But um, you ask uh, whether the um, uh, recent crash in oil prices uh, had an impact, um, and luckily, uh, I think it, it didn't have an impact. Uh, to the contrary, um, I see most of the uh, activity in tire paralysis um, driven by um, the desire of scaling up the oil um, output. And uh, that is very positive for recovered carbon black as well. And that also shows that um, companies, customers are interested in the ecology part, not only in the economy, the process oil. And no, it's not easy to sell. Uh, it usually has a, a very low flash point. Uh, so for the transport, that can be tricky. It is an intermediate uh, when you craft a material safety data sheet for the prolysis oil. Uh, it is a really nasty stuff with a lot of PAH content uh, and a lot of uh, hazards, possible hazards. Um, the process every tire prolysis company should integrate for selling the oil is a fractioning, a distillation so that at least the top fraction can get uh, can be treated differently and the prolysis oil the main fraction or even the bottom fraction uh, can have higher value add in separate as the raw prolysis oil for example i'm always motivated in material valorization both for the recovered carbon black that meaning tire to tire uh, recovered carbon black going back in the tire for the oil this could mean uh, chemical recycling into uh, polymers or uh, what I'm very uh, interested in uh, and where I have uh, ongoing projects uh, prolysis oil as a feedstock for carbon black because uh, the bottom fraction of the prolysis oil could be uh, a very nice uh, feedstock addition for carbon black production it's highly aromatic uh, basically uh, consists of uh, carbon only uh, very faint um, uh, uh, quantities of uh, oxygen, nitrogen, uh, or sulfur. Okay. Is the char from high oil output pyrolysis plants suitable for use as uh, an RCB, or is it uh, low value waste that is expensive to refine? Yeah. Uh, one thing about the nomenclature char is the fresh carbon. <laughs> um, probably you mean the raw recovered uh, carbon black. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there is for one-step processes, as most of the prolysis processes are, there is, um, let's say, a small conflict of interest in a way that uh, when you optimize the process for the recovered carbon black, uh, you want the dry uh, recovered carbon black without any organic volatiles. For that, probably you need a long um, reaction time and you need a high temperature. And that, of course, has influences on the oil as well. And uh, when you optimize for the oil, probably you have different process conditions than for the recovered carbon black. In the end, this is an optimization um, question. Um, companies need to market both. So there needs to be a minimum viable quality for, for both. And uh, when I see uh, those companies that produce recovered carbon black, they optimize for the recovered carbon black. Okay. Um, moving on slightly, there, there has been some research done into high temperature pyrolysis at around 1000 degrees. Um, DMG in the UK uh, are claiming to produce hydrogen and a very dry char from plastics and rubber. 
uh, as their as their main outputs. Mm. Is, is this viable technology to generate mm. local hydrogen power sources from polymer mm. wastes? The thousand degrees is very very hot. Uh, normal one step. Uh, Pyrolysis reactor might be anywhere between uh, 350 degrees Celsius and on the high end 700 degrees Celsius and the 700 that is the second stage kiln of black bear carbon. Um, they optimize for the oil in the first reactor which is I think low, temp low temperature 300 degrees 400 degrees and then they get a dry carbon on the second stage at 700 degrees. 1000 degrees is really hot blazing hot um, it is almost close to uh, gasification temperatures, which start, I think, at uh, 1,400 degrees. Um, the risk there is that we get uh, an excessive amount of fresh carbon, char, or carbonaceous residues, coming from polymer uh, carbonization. Um, this would be a bad thing if you want to sell into the rubber industry. It could be an upside, it could be a bonus if you want to sell into uh, the plastics uh, industry. And of course, it changes the um, ratio of um, non-condensable uh, gas um, and uh, condensable gas as well, in a way that you get more gas and less oil. So at temperatures of 1000 degrees, uh, you probably have 20% uh, or so non-condensable uh, gas, pyrolysis gas. You have oil maybe only at uh, lower than 40%, 35%. Uh, and you get a lot of raw recovered uh, carbon black because uh, there's a new uh, component, a lot of uh, char adding, uh, added to the um, recovered carbon black. So I would say it's, it's feasible. Uh, I wouldn't say this is better uh, um, than, than the other processes. Um, microwave processes can get to 1000 degrees inside the rubber because the microwave heats the rubber and not the, um, the reactor, um, the process, uh, the reactor, the kiln. And uh, yeah, um, it, it changes, changes the, um, the mass flow output. Okay, you mentioned microwaves. That brings us to the next question. Uh, there have been a few microwave projects uh, over the years. Um, we understand one plant in, Ukraine, in the Ukraine could be close to uh, commercial operation. Is there a future for microwave technology uh, in commercial pyrolysis? Yes. Um, you, you know that I'm, I have a high interest in microwave pyrolysis because um, I see that the recovered carbon black coming out of a microwave Pyrolysis is quite different. Microwave is a very efficient heating process, so the residence time is very short, temperatures are very high, um, which means that uh, the char we spoke about uh, is not as high uh, as uh, with other uh, processes, for example, a, uh, a normal batch process, discontinuous uh, pyrolysis. Now, most of the tire pyrolysis companies are still startups and uh, they haven't fully commercialized. And it's more so true for the microwave um, companies that, uh, that are not yet close to uh, commercial operation. I actually don't know the Ukrainian microwave company. I work with companies in, uh, in the UK, uh, in Italy, in Switzerland, uh, in, uh, in the US. Um, I found a new microwave pyrolysis company in Denmark. Um, and they are really, they're not yet at, at the commercial stage. 
Looking at India in particular, the Indian Green Tribunal has instigated a report into their effectiveness of what they call advanced batch pyrolysis. India has a huge pyrolysis sector with a very difficult international perception. Would you care to comment, perhaps in general, about the low quality processes that can be found across much of Asia? Can these sometimes dangerous and illegal operations ever be properly updated? Or will it take government regulation to mandate clean processes? What sort of incentives might help, do you think? I think uh, there are a range of issues with, with that. And we see that in India. We see that in China. China has um, um, actually taken away uh, operating permits for all batch paralysis uh, processes in 2012. Uh, they still haven't fully executed on that uh, because it's so difficult to find all the companies. And we see the same in, uh, in India. Um, I think aggravating to that is that those companies, they're all... Um, you know, at, at the shore, and they don't even recycle Indian tires. Uh, they recycle 200,000 tons coming from the UK, um, and uh, maybe 100,000 tons coming from uh, other uh, European countries. And that, at the onset, that is not very sustainable to me, uh, because uh, technology is unknown, and there's a, a, a number of really good companies in the UK uh, that should uh, recycle the UK tires in the country. That makes more sense to me. Um, now, company, uh, now countries like uh, India are shutting the door, like uh, China has uh, banned plastic imports. India is about to close the door for tire imports. That is good for India, and that is also good for the exporting uh, countries. Of course, there is uh, a lot of bale tires exporter in the UK that now have to, to change uh, where do they go uh, with, with the tires? Um, but uh, as you said, there are so many um, uh, promising country, uh, com uh, companies in the UK. Um, that should be an opportunity. As for India, um, so the feedstock, that's only the, the starting problem. And the operation, uh, the conditions and the safety, work safety, is a huge other problem. Uh, these um, These installations are very cheap installations of uh, Indian or Chinese uh, kilns. Um, they, they, the kilns are filled manually, maybe not even properly cooled down. Um, there is no work safety. There is uh, escapes of uh, gases and uh, aerosols of the, uh, the raw recovered carbon. Um, those companies are mainly after the oil um, and uh, they don't, have a good uh, material valorization for the carbon. Sometimes the, the carbon is briqueted and uh, also used as a, a solid uh, fuel. That is not good uh, practice. And uh, I think uh, that also brings on a bad uh, image on the industry because now um, companies in uh, Europe or in the Western world uh, they don't want to call themselves prolysis companies anymore. They do thermolysis, they do uh, <laughs> depolymerization. Uh, there's a lot of creativity in that sector of what they do, but the process still is prolysis. But uh, unfortunately, because of um, those high profile um, uh, news from India, China, Bangladesh, um, Africa, emerging uh, countries, um, that 
uh, cast a bad, uh, bad name on, on paralysis, which is a shame uh, because it's a good uh, process. It's a very flexible process to recover um, uh, waste, rubber waste that is a composite that is uh, uh, together uh, glued with uh, textiles and uh, metal, which is uh, very difficult to um, recycle in any other way. And um, so it's good that these, um, these uh, rookie operations are being uh, shut down. Okay, thank you very much for that, Martin. It's, uh, it's been a, a very enlightening uh, discussion. Uh, thank you very much for being our first expert witness. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be doing more of these in the future. Thank you. And there you have it, another fanta fantastic segment there with, uh, with Martin. What really caught your attention, Ewan, when you were talking to Martin in part two? The first takeaway was the observation that uh, pyrolysis firms are now having to chase both ends of the market, oil and recovered carbon black. That hasn't always been the case in the past, firms focused on one or the other. Now they need to maximise value uh, and, and get return from both sides. The second is the reality that there needs to be a move away from the low-tech uh, pyrolysis projects, uh, pyrolysis operations that we see in the Far East. Um, they, they're polluting, they're, they're, they're not safe to the employees, and they, they give the whole industry a bad name, when in fact pyrolysis is, can be a very clean technology and a very beneficial technology for everyone. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the paralysis is such a like um sort of like sort of like a uh, thing that is emerging quite a lot at the moment at the moment with a few projects popping up around the world. So talking to someone like Martin, um, it's quite illuminating in that field. Um, but unfortunately, that marks the end of the two-part interview with Martin von Wolferstorff. Uh, if you want to see part one of the interview, please take a look on our YouTube channel as it's available over there. It's also available on Facebook as well. Uh, thank you for your time again, Ewan, and thank you for completing the interview with Martin. And thank you to all the viewers who tuned in and had a look at today's interview. And we'll be back with another edition of the Tire Recycling Podcast shortly. Thank you for watching. <laughs>